Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinole. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. My name is Dave Hanready and there will be no Encore. Welcome to episode 248 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Uh, recording a few days earlier than normal because it's that kind of weird Christmas rush. I sound like Sean Connery there a little bit, don't I? <laughs> and I'm joined by a very special guest co-host. Um, how best to introduce this person? He's been on the show a couple times before, but it has been a long time. I guess you could say journalist, housemate, friend. It's Richard Chambers. I feel, I feel like you were scouring the house for people to step in. And you just knocked two doors down from where you record your podcast. Well, and there I was, ready to go. Ready to go. Um, delighted to have you, man. How's it going? You're having a hell of a year. Great, yeah. Yeah, it's on the wind down now, as much as any year can wind down. But would you... Were, yeah. <laughs> levels are good. I'm adjusting levels furiously as we go, as Richard's holding the microphone. I go up and down a lot. Yeah, Enjoy, listener. Close microphone to the mouth. Yeah. I probably should have said that before we started recording. Um, would you say that living with me has been the highlight of, of your year? The last two years, really, I suppose. No. 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 It's up no. there. It's up there though, isn't it? <laughs> it's in the it's in the, it would be in your top twenty, like, you know. That's pretty good. <laughs> it's in the yeah, the upper echelons. But it's 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 been great as a long term listener of the pod. Uh, and patron of the pod. And now, finally, 
at long, long last, get a chance to step into the shoes. You heard him, folks. Of, of, of Craig and take over uh, Craigslist. Yeah, a, a generous patron of the show, of course. We are on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash noencore if anyone wants to help support the show. Uh, that's the satisfying sound of a can opening in the corner. This will be, I suppose, a slight departure from our usual episodes. But I should note that um, on Patreon, just there on Monday, uh, we dropped our last episode, the best songs of 2019, as recorded by myself, Craig and Dahi. The infamous one that glitched itself and then we lost it forever, but then Dahi retrieved it. So if you want to hear a comprehensive rundown of our top 20 songs as a group from last year, to get you in the mood for this year. Why would you? Well, it's a very good episode. Right. <laughs> it's like, I can't wait to hear what last year's best song was at the end of this year. Trying to sell the Patreon here. Like. <laughs> I'm sure it's a great listen. It is I mean, a great It listen. is actually true that it was actually, no, actually, was it? I think it was last year. And it was actually how I discovered Claro's bags. There you go. Was was listening to one of your, I think it was Song of the Summer podcast. Mm-hmm. There you go. It's also featured on that episode. So, a spoiler for yeah, you. There, yeah, well, there you so, go. Yeah, Look at this. Like, but you could find the other 19 uh, if you've never heard it before. But it's like, it's it's kind of its own little thing and it's a good episode. So uh, yeah, that's over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash no encore. You can get that right now. There's a Q&A episode coming soon as well. Also out this week in the regular feed, uh, No Popcorn, Bill and Ted, Face the Music is in your podcast feed right now. At least it should be. Because like I say, we're recording this a few days in advance. Uh, so if anyone dies or if anything horrendous major happens in the music world, and we're not talking about this is why. So, you know, that's... When's the Mank episode of No, no Popcorn? <laughs> It'll be in our end of year. We'll mention it. I'm just back from the cinema. Went to the cinema today. It was very nice. You know, nice. Yeah, back. well, there you go. That's that's oh. the level three bonus right there. It is, yeah. Like, it, it's great sitting there with your mask on for two hours in the in the cinema screen. Oh, I didn't. Actually, I didn't even think of that. I actually probably should have thought that. But you're I didn't allowed to take it off to have your popcorn. But it's, it's yeah, if you're eating and drinking. Same as in, if you're in a restaurant, I suppose. Yeah. You have to have, yeah. It's, it's a strange one. Uh, just to note as well, Listmas is almost upon us. If anyone's wondering when we're going to be dropping our end of year episodes, there'll be one episode for best songs of the year, one episode for best albums of the year. Uh, the plan at the moment is probably to record around the 18th and then put the episodes out on the Monday the 21st and Wednesday the 23rd. Don't hold me to that, but that's what we're looking towards at the moment. It should be the case. Um, and we'll see how we go. Um, this is our last regular episode of the year. There'll be no episode on the 18th, but... If we get the Q&A done in time, maybe we can turn around for then. Otherwise, that's out on Christmas Day. Imagine this was your last episode ever. ever. <laughs> and it was just me, <laughs> the least informed person. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Well, okay. Well, why don't you, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, I feel like most people do at this stage, but just in case. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. You're a journalist? I, yeah, I'm a journalist. I'm a journalist and online personality. <laughs> yeah. With Virgin Media News. Online gobshite. Um, yeah. And obviously, yeah. So, I mean, I think that was kind of one of the, one of the reasons why we, we sort of came on this episode because there is some news related mm-hmm. stuff that we want to sort of get into yeah um but yeah i work in virgin media news just like one of our other housemates zara king yeah who's furious. previously mentioned furious on show she's well. not on this episode so yeah well you know if, if she scooped up on her aj tracy's <laughs> and other 2020 music who knows she could be in the end of your review well we're also talking about professional wrestling this week our top five is top five wrestling entrance themes uh best on both sides i guess we'll see how we go i suppose you should probably say why why that's the topic of 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 well, this week's list w- one reason is because craig isn't here and it's a great opportunity to just yeah, finally true, true there we go get it done um and the other reason is that spotify wrapped we talked spotify about wrapped. Yeah, spotify wrapped we, we talked about the spotify wrapped last week on the show um you had your own spotify Spotify rapped, of course, and your second Mine most played song of the year was a wrestling theme, which we won't say what it is just yet because it's probably going to be in your top five. It, so. it, it's it's probably safe to assume that it would be. In it would the be top strange five. if it wasn't. Yeah, um, but yeah, my my Spotify top songs of 2020. I was actually 
uh, normally it's a pretty good indicator of what I listen to and it's fairly consistent. Like last year, Fontaine's was my top artist of last year. Um, in previous years, it's basically bounced between Kendrick Lamar and Kanye West. And this year, inexplicably, it was the weekend, despite the fact that I don't think I've listened to his album more than once. But I do remember one day, probably two or three days after it initially came out, that I left it on playing on my laptop and I went out for the day and it seems to have repeated multiple <laughs> times. And I do remember, I do remember I came up, I might have actually gone away for a weekend um, and came back. It was definitely, I remember coming back and I was like, oh, this is still on. And I was cycling through the weekend songs and I was like, this is disappointing. So now The weekend is my most beloved artist, even though I, I, I couldn't name two songs off that album apart from Blinding Lights, which was one of my favourite. It was, it was probably my favourite pop song of the year. Great song. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of other weird stuff like The Wailers, Pop Art and The Wailers were in my top five. I don't even know no how, disrespect, how that happened. But like, not my music not my music hashtag not my music um well you know richard and i go way back we went to the college days that's how we met each other that's true that's that that, that is probably it's 10 years ago 10 years ago it's 10 years ago yeah yeah. yeah, that's crazy right there's a decade there unbelievable Unbelievable. and and i've only been on the podcast this is your third time yeah twice it's my 10 years it's a it's a tough negotiation to get you on but listen we're going to jump into the news and one of the reasons why Richard is here of course is that we're going to talk about Leo Varadkar um, uh, finally get you out of your comfort zone love it uh, why talk about Leo Varadkar simple because the Tanishta not the Taoiseach uh, had some big quotes there a few days ago he said that in the event of next year with events being planned you know people buying tickets should be aware particularly people who are looking towards like the Longitude which recently announced its lineup mm-hmm. and its comeback uh, that there's quote no guarantee these events will go ahead which is true i guess um and maybe sometime yet before mass gatherings are allowed but he also threw in that like he said the advice i would say is that there's no guarantee they'll go ahead um you know i hope they happen but under the law it is possible for companies organizing the events to cancel them and reschedule them they don't have to refund the cost of the ticket they can reschedule them i think people who are buying tickets should be aware of this Mm. they're not guaranteed a refund they might find the gig rescheduled so the same evening uh mcd promotions or productions rather which is the biggest promoter in response slapped him down and just said uh, we will continue our policy of offering customers the option of a full refund should a show be rescheduled due to COVID-19 this refund policy applies to all events scheduled to take place in 2020 and 2021 including Longitude and Larger Picnic Um, which is good I want want to say I think there's a couple of things to note about this first of all Leo Varadkar is is, um, no secret he does regularly attend music festivals up and down the country he's a music goer um, so he does have some, some knowledge, I suppose, of, of, you know, the festival scene in this country. Um, the broader issue though, which is whether or not we're all going to be back in fields next year, 40,000, 30,000, however many people attend festivals in Ireland. I'm not sure about the regular attendances of some of the ones outside of Electric Picnic, for example, but it's an interesting question. And it's one I've actually chatted to people about this week. People in the know, people involved in public health, people who know, you know, who have an idea about how things might progress in 2021 with the virus. And there's been sort of mixed views on it. I think, and I think it's probably safe to say that summer is at least questionable about when when you can have that many people gathered together again. There's no guarantee. Things are looking more positive longer term. So perhaps maybe towards the far end of 2021, we might see people back in the three arena and all that sort of stuff. That's just the view of one person. I'm not saying this is what's going to happen or not. 
the vaccinations obviously open that and like there's t- there's been talk already about the fact that once you do the prioritization uh, and the first vaccines roll out that there will be more things will be open so you might see music venues back open at some t- point whether that's smaller venues or whatever in 2021 maybe by the midpoint of the year that's what one person i know who's talking to and who's involved in this sort of thing was sort of guessing but it's very tough and it is it is just so uncertain i think i mean mcd's response is very good it's very good that they have you know a defined position we're going to do this it is interesting that you know you are you know you're you're advertising you're selling tickets for a gig and you have whole lineups for something which may not happen it is very interesting to see that happen but you know it's it's just going to be it's it's going to be interesting to see and i just think Everything with this is such a flip of the coin. And it is even for, even for example, the element of travel. The fact that you have all these international artists who are coming in and out. How will things change? Vaccinations. You've heard people like Qantas, Qantas CEO, Alan Joyce, an Irish guy, saying that anybody who's going to get on a Qantas plane should have a vaccination passport, which is interesting. Is that going to be a prerequisite then for artists traveling around the world? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I hope, I hope there is something next year, events wise, but. Nobody how knows. how likely are you to go to one if you're vaccinated up? I mean, like, and let's say there was, let's say that, like, like, extra picnic or like, well, you, you can't enter Strad Valley unless you have, whether it's a wristband or a specific piece of documentation that says I have been vaccinated. Now, granted, that's months and months and months away. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to even be like that. I don't think that's going to be like, that's not going to be, I don't, I couldn't imagine the circumstances where MCD or whoever organizes festivals is like, show us your vaccination stamps just for going to a festival. I I would love to go to a festival next year. I'd love to. And I've actually said that all the way through the pandemic. It just depends on whether or not it's feasible at the time. I hope that it is. And there's so many great people involved in music promotion who I've chatted to as part of, you know, coverage of the news this year. I think automatically of Shane Dunn, a really terrific guy for all the work he's done in concert promotion. And even as a spokesperson for the industry throughout all of this. And, um, I really hope they're back soon, but you can't go too soon because that's a bad, that's a big, big problem. Yeah. Okay. Maybe this is like a very black and white question that's tricky to answer, but from your dealings with people in the arts and also just the fact that you've been like, like you've been covering COVID-19 since pretty much immediately after the general election, right? I mean, like, yeah, yeah. which is weird. That there's it's one of those things where like, yeah, you start the year and you're doing the general election. You're like, Jesus, we'll never be as busy for the rest of this year. <laughs> it's mad how we're starting the year doing the thing which is going to be the most busiest. Nope. So, I mean, it's been flat out, like it's been such a blur yeah. at this stage, we're at the end of it, like an end of this year, which is not necessarily the end of the thing. And I like, hope that will come sooner than later. But like uh, the arts, I mean, like we talked about on the show numerous times. I mean, obviously we would because like no encore mm. is a show that is positioned towards that sector. Um, have you found that like, like it's been that people in the arts absolutely have valid reasons for like them saying that they've been left behind or is the issue like so much more complex that you can understand why maybe the arts isn't a priority? I mean, like, like in terms of the overall kind of landscape and the way that's been, you mentioned Shane Dunn and he is like, like he's been very vocal mm. um, and very kind of, I think, clear and concise with his concerns. And they seem to echo a lot of people in his like similar positions to him and obviously individual venue promoters. We spoke to Vinnie Casey from the Workman's and, and so on. I mean, like, do you think that like at this stage that there's reason for the arts to kind of be like, not so much aggrieved, but like, hello, we have a lot to fucking offer, you know? I mean, like... Yeah, like, I mean, I can't... I, I wouldn't want to say whether or not I believe that they're... Like, I think that everybody's coming from a bona fide and, and, and they're all legitimate in terms of their opinions on it. I do think that that... Like, they feel aggrieved. They feel that they haven't been a priority. I think that... um 
the other side of it would be that the government is like, well, we're renouncing this, that and the other to try and support the arts industry throughout all this. Obviously, some people will f- say that that's not enough. Some people will say that it is enough. Um, the only thing about it is uh, the events around live music, other arts events involve people in crowded rooms or they involve thousands of people standing close together as well, singing and shouting do have an impact in terms of the spread of COVID-19. There's been plenty of studies about how gigs have had a really, 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 really negative impact in terms of spreading the virus. And that's, that's, that's kind of where it is. And that's, that's just the tricky position that people in the arts industry who are amongst the most talented and creative and the best jewels in the crown that we have in this country. I've just been, you know, they've, they've fallen victim to this. It's another industry which really has suffered hard on it. So vaccine-wise, I mean, you're fairly studied up on this. You've been speaking to people both in Ireland, of course, at like like the, the top level, and mm. you've been reading like a shit ton of literature as well. And I think there was a New York Times article you were talking about the other day. Um, where for for people who might not be as clued in with vaccines and who might have concerns, like, and I'm not talking about fucking. The hardcore end of the spectrum here, like, but well, like, who are your listeners? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to think that we have a very enlightened audience, but like, yeah. for anyone who might be like, oh, I mean, I'm all about it, but like, I don't know. I mean, like, what what have you seen, and what's your kind of general take on it? Vaccines are the most prolific, the most inexpensive, the most effective way of dealing with any virus any serious public health concern that there is going back hundreds of years now, not hundreds of years, but hundred plus years. Um, and they are revolutionary. They have saved millions of lives around the world. Um, I would say that this situation with COVID-19 has shown up the real incredible the incredible human ability to get something done when needs needs be the pooling of resources the coming together of so many great medical and scientific minds to get this done is an incredible story and the people behind it will never get their due um if you read the backstory i i would say for example i would advise anybody listening to this to to read the backstory of the scientists uh, in biontech uh, who have come up with the, the pfizer biontech vaccine incredible personal story there to get to this point I think that there will always be questions about this happened really fast, that within 10 months you have potentially multiple vaccines which are in working order for the coronavirus. So within 10 months, something which often can take up to 10 years to do. Now, the fastest vaccine which people talk about um, up until this point was four years for polio, which is an incredible feat in itself. We did this within 10 months and some of this was like, you know, you know, developed and it was ready to go and it just had to go under months and months of testing. So even you could theorize and say that the vaccine itself was ready to go, you know, months before, but obviously they have to go through the levels of testing. That is actually key to this. This would have been perhaps overall the biggest clinical trial in history. I don't think, I think people should obviously be, you know, this is a music podcast. There's people in this podcast who've ingested or people who listen to this podcast who've lived, who've taken drugs in a field at a festival and they haven't had to ask any questions about where that's come from. And they might go, Oh, I don't want to know about this medically proven vaccine. <laughs> 
to, to help the world get out of a say, pandemic. Like, uh, Richard locked eye, eye contact directly with me when I'm he said judging. drugs I'm just, in I'm just telling people. But Listen. no, the, the, the thing about it is, look, I understand. I think there's going to be, I think one of the huge things which is gonna, you're going to have to see in 2020 is um, the idea that word of mouth and people encouraging each other and once people see priority groups get vaccines and it'll go okay for them, that will do it. Like it'll be a build up over months because some of the people who are like saying, oh, I'm, I, I, I've nothing against vaccines, but I'm a little bit, I have a little thing in the back of my, my mind about how quick this has been. There will be probably many months before they actually have a vaccine. Do you know what I mean? They won't be, perhaps some of them might not be the first in queue in terms of prioritization. So look, have, an, have a, just rest assured that the very best minds in the world of science. And this is across multiple corporations. There are some amazing things which have been done, including on the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine that is being done with the stated purpose. This isn't for pharmaceutical company profits. This is being done to get a cost effective vaccine, which doesn't need to be stored at minus 70 degrees to anybody in the world who needs it. And that is a real, really, really worthy of credit thing to do. So I think cop on. <laughs> you've uh, you've seen the big freezers. You big freezers. Yeah? They are big. They're big freezers, Dave. <laughs> they, 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 you can hold two hundred thousand doses in those babies. But like, yeah, look, there's just amazing. I just look. Obviously, the, the rollout and getting everything right is going to be really important, and that's why the role of the journalist is going to be to look at all this and how it, how it goes and make sure that it's done properly and that everything goes okay. So that's that'll be. I think that's going to be one of the focuses for the start of the next year. Uh, in, in sort of news and what I do probably in 2021. Be a nice little fucking pivot though, I think, hopefully. Um, so lastly though, let's say, for example, some miracle happens. It's over. It's never coming back. We're living in an incredible Zen world. Longitude's going ahead. Big headliners. It's on. It's three days in the field. We're not 16 anymore. <laughs> Are you going? Are we going? <laughs> like, I mean... <laughs> I think so. I like that. I like that lineup. I think I would go. Like, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, I would go. You'd be fucking mob, man. Like, I mean... <laughs> It's a really, really odd, like, yeah, you'd probably, I don't know how you'd do it. I'm with any class. Does somebody get us VIP tickets or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Keep us away. Yeah. I mean, like, like it's, it's, it's more that I'm like, I'm, I'm way too fucking, like I said to my niece, I was like, look, I'm 20 years too old for that festival. And she's like, no, you'd be on. I'm like, no, I couldn't. I've never been. I actually never went to Longitude ever. You I've went. been to Longitude. Yeah. yeah. I was, yeah. I, I went to one Longitude. Yeah. Which one? Um, Kendrick, right? Must've been, was it? Yeah, it was. Kendrick Lamar was playing at it. Okay. As was Stormzy and he was great. Yeah, I mean, like the lineup is usually always pretty fucking solid, but I just kind of feel like it's like it's it's, it's gone for the it's, 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 it's the hip hop festival. It's the hip hop festival in Ireland, essentially. Yeah, and like it's like and like it's, it's leaving Sir festival. And I say that with no disparagement. I'm like, it's great that like everybody needs a leaving Sir festival. We yeah, had oxygen back in the day, for example. Yeah. You know, so yeah. But the kids not, are all right, Dave. But I'm, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm a long way away. Yeah, like, I don't know. I'd rather. I'd rather. Yeah, I'd, I'd look. I mean, if you're asking me an honest question, would I rather go to the festival, which has a more sort of you know more people my age at us absolutely <laughs> <laughs> but you but you could but, but i guess as, as a celebration you're you're gonna go to long with you like like the, like this is the commitment if it happened were, if it happens yeah this is the commitment they were making Next and, I felt, the show. and i felt safe with it everybody has to feel safe as well some people will actually that's something everybody needs to do, just get patient with as well some people won't be comfortable going to gigs even for a while after this is the worst of this is over absolutely yeah so i think people need to be patient with their mates and all that as well so. definitely definitely yeah uh, well listen i guess we'll see where it goes and there's every chance that both of us will report back on this very show as long as you're roving reporters uh, imagine get your mate shane and mcd to just get us into the vip and we're yeah. grand yeah. <laughs> like, it's easy 
Um, so kind of on a similar subject, but you know, slightly away from it, is uh, Rita Ora, British legend Rita Ora. My has, favorite artist of all time. Uh, she has apologized again after reports have emerged that she should have been self-isolating when she celebrated her birthday at a London yeah, restaurant last month. She turned 30. It's a big milestone for Happy everybody. Happy birthday, Rita Happy Ora. Happy birthday, Rita Ora. Um, she flew to Egypt in a private jet on the 21st of November to perform at the five-star W Hotel in Cairo, hmm. an appearance for which she was paid a six-figure sum, uh, according to the hacks of the Mail on Sunday. Uh, returned to England the following day and was required, as per government rules, uh, to quarantine and self-isolate for 14 days. However, instead of doing that, she attended her own birthday party at the Casa Cruz restaurant in Notting Hill. I love these details. Um, just one week later, Hill. itself a breach of coronavirus protection which she's previously apologised. After news of the party emerged, she said she was deeply sorry and offered to pay a £10,000 fine for hosting, like, hosting the party. How does that work? It's I'll, phenomenal. I'll pay ten grand. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the restrictions are or what the what the punishments are and the fines are in the UK. Mm. But if, if she just suggested, I'll pay ten grand. That's take it. Yeah, it's almost kind of funny. But no, I hope. So. But look, it's just it's another example of one of those things where it gets people really pissed off because it just seems that people one rule for us, another yes, rule for yeah. yes, exactly. So. Well, I mean, Rita, Bad Rita Ora. Well, she's a she's a pop star. I mean, like in her statement, she said, uh, uh, "I recently flew to Egypt to perform at a corporate event for a private company, where my travel party followed protocol and presented negative tests upon entry, as required by Egyptian authorities. Upon my return to Britain, I should have followed government advice and isolated myself for the required period. As you know, I didn't do that, and I apologize again unreservedly. While I realize the apologetic words of a pop star might not carry much weight, I love that she refers to herself as a pop star, especially one who has broken the rules like I have. I do realize some might seek to follow my." example. My message then is simple. Please don't. The guilt and shame I've carried this week for my mistake aren't worth it. Instead, continue to listen to the government advice and the voices of the heroes of the NHS and take the required precautions. Good honour. Do you know what? Good honour. There's there's an element of people aren't going to get and I'm not saying this is specific to Rita Ora because there's a lot of organisation required to fly out and pe- play for the Egyptian president. Uh, you'd, hope, you'd hope so. Like admin. Yeah. You know, like, look, I mean, I, don't, I hope she just didn't do it on a whim, you know. Um, <laughs> but like there's a, there's a lot of people and people are very quick to jump on the culture of blame. And that's something we've seen a lot. Um, I just think that, you know, all of us aren't going to get everything right all of the time. Um, that's a fairly well measured apology, I think. Um, obviously, she shouldn't have done that and nothing's going to change that. But it's a good apology. Hopefully, I, I, I mean, I see her in her next day, s- s- sentence. She says, I hope to make it up to the public one day. I'm not exactly sure how she wants to do that. Unless it's a charity beneficial for the NHS, in which case that would be great. Yeah, for she said, like, you know, public have given me so much support and in particular make it up to the heroes of the NHS, which screams free gig or charity single. Hmm. Was it the script who were like one of the first acts? They do, to be, don't like, they? They have a plan for that. They're going to do a concert. And like the obvious joke was, oh, fuck, that's more of a blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, I'm, I'm, like you have to appreciate it. Nice. Like, yeah, be nice. I mean, like, like I've, I've, I've met Daniel Donahue, as we all know, and had wonderful. He's in your Hall of Fame. Wonderful. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible quotes. Um, And they're ridiculous, and he's a cartoon, but like, I don't know. If there are people out there who work in the fucking, like, hospital service and they want to go to a free script gig, good, or a read or a gig, good on them. Uh, Speaking of big UK pop stars, former Take That legend, X Factor judge, and popped giant, it says here. Pop giant, not popped giant. That sounds horrendous. Robbie Williams (laughs) has really starting a new band. Uh, He hasn't been in a band since he left Take That in 995, apart from their reunion at the turn of the decade last year, which he talked about lovingly on this show. Uh, on Instagram Live, he told his followers that he's working with his friends on what is referred to as a passion project. He said, I've got songs coming out that will not be under the name of Rob Williams. A little project I've got going with a couple of friends, Flynn, Flynn Francis and Tim Metcalf. We're forming a band, everybody. Who are they? I've never heard of either of those Brands. people. So. 
Uh, he's releasing a coronavirus Christmas song, which I hope isn't about the virus. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, like, how do you feel about, in general, people writing about the coronavirus for the purposes of music or film? And um, we're getting some movies next year, I guess, you know? Michael Bay one is the obvious one, isn't it? Yeah, I forgot what that's um, even called. Oh, yeah. what, what is it, COVID-27 or something? Is it like, that's the... Yes, <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, it's going to be, like, I mean, this is, it's just going to be natural that it's going to be a lot of, just like after World War II, for example, there were a lot of, you know, films based off that idea. And after 9-11, there was a lot of, you know, films inspired by global terror and, you know, the military industrial complex and all of that sort of stuff. It's natural that that's going to be the case. I wonder if there's going to be an appetite for it so soon. Do you know that people who have had to live, everybody's had to live through this. Everybody's had to live through a year of, of COVID-19 and perhaps more. Are you going to go to see a film, which, I mean, in the case of the Michael Bay film, and let's not bully Michael Bay maybe we should but i mean it just seems like absolutely ludicrous and just like why would you i don't know personally why you would want to watch that counterpoint um (laughs) counterpoint my wife my my wife now counterpoint um you watched contagion very early into yeah i think that was i actually recommended i've actually recommended watching contagion because actually explained a lot of things about like public health, contact tracing, the R number, all of it's explained really well. And when you're at the start <laughs> of a pandemic, you're looking for things which might, you know, explain the situation you're in. And I thought it was great. Have you... A very good film. Would you watch it again? Yeah. Or is it too real now? Uh, I would watch it again because I actually think it's a really... It's one of the best paced films I've ever seen. Wow. I actually think it's it's it, it underappreciated at its time because maybe people thought it was too far-fetched. I thought it was a really good film. That cast is great. It's a it's a pretty strong cast. Stacks. Like it's got Ireland's own Matt Damon in there. It's got Ireland's own YouTube in the final song. Oh wow! I, I've actually never seen the film. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's the next film club watch. There. I can't bring myself to watch Contagion during a pandemic. Like, like I'm sorry, I, I'm not made of the stuff. You know, I don't have it. Mm. Uh, why didn't you interview Matt Damon? By the way, when he was over here, you're a journalist. You know. I've, you know, I've other things to do. <laughs> Slightly busy. I've other things to do. Sorry, Matt. As much as I loved Goodwill Hunting, it is a great film. I'm, I'm parking it. Uh, Maybe when he's back next time, which I'm, he's already been back once. Apparently, Me Driver's been over as well. By the way, she has. Yeah, Me Driver is great. What's with these relaxed rules for for the celebs? They can just come over. I suppose it. it's work. I suppose it's in the like there is the media exemption. So. Yeah, as long as you got, if you got a job to do that's in, you know, but be responsible, everybody. And that includes you, Hollywood A-list, Hollywood elite. Um, we <laughs> talked about Spotify. We talked about streaming. Yeah. It is how we consume our music these days. Um, can you remember, like, back in the day, like, what were, like, some of the first CDs you ever bought? Like, when it was proper physical stuff. Like, and were you, were you the kind of guy who had to, like, oh, I've spent 20 quid on it. I'll learn to love it. I was that guy for a while. You've put me on the spot. That's what I did. I remember man. some of the first albums I properly bought when I was sort of getting into music first were, like... There was Muse, Absolution. There was a few Foo, Foo Fighters CDs in there. Uh, by the way, by the Chili Peppers. Classic. Absolutely fantastic. Alien Ant Farm. Did you buy Stadium Arcadium? Double album? I did, yeah. I bought it when I was over in Canada with my friends. Having a great time. Jesus. I, it's a great album. No, it's not. <laughs> it was a great album to me. Actually, did I even believe that was a great album? Even though I really wanted to believe it was a great album. You like Danny California. I know that much. Yeah. And Snow, Hey Ho. Terrible song. 
absolutely dreadful. Like hey. the worst song though. I think the worst song is on. By the way, is it the, the Zephyr song? Is that on? By the way, that's on. By the way, yeah, that's horrendous. It's still playing to the radio in Ireland to this day. I'm not surprised. Do hear us? Yeah, I mean, you know, no count for taste. You know, yeah. it's like one of those things. Can't stop, Matei. <laughs> you can't stop. Um, You're addicted to the shindig. I am addicted to the shindig. But yeah, I guess like like we've left physical media behind in this regard quite a lot. I mean, apart from the vinyl, the vinyl thing is it seems to be the only mm. the last sort of remnants of you know. It's cool though. Vinyl's cool. Yeah, the analog counter revolution, you know. But streaming is pretty big. Like, did you clock up a lot of minutes on your on your Spotify? I had thirty nine thousand on my Spotify this year, which I actually did compare to last year, and it was much higher. But I was also using Apple Music at the time as well. Oh yeah, I remember that. And I did use a little bit of Apple Music this year as well, so I actually think my my total would probably be about fifty thousand minutes. Um, but I don't know. I just Spotify is just. It's an old reliable. This is the thing. There's, there's, very, there's very little to sort of go against with Spotify's interface and whatnot. The interface like, is great. The, right? only time, yeah. the only problem I really have with Spotify is um, it tends to rely too heavily on a couple of songs you like. And you find, for whatever reason, Can I Kick It by A Tribe Called Quest ap- appears in I'm Going to Put an uneducated it's in 95 percent of spotify's <laughs> playlists anything 90s it's in hip-hop gold it's in walk like a badass it's in it's in all of them it's complete nonsense and i wonder like they just clearly need to mix up the people who make their play- playlists or maybe it's an algorithm and they just find that everybody likes that song yeah Fair uh, every now and then i see like an, an advertisement made for like playlist editor and it's always based in london and i'm like oh, I'm, I'm, I'm your guy but yeah. i get but, me in but i but i love ireland team watch yeah. so so <laughs> you can't tempt him for a far away shore <laughs> could never leave you know uh wild mountain time dave that's what they call me so uh reason we're talking about this is once again and off the back of this um you've seen a lot of people kind of rebel against you know people sharing their spotify rap and we talked about it on the show last week we know it's a marketing campaign and you know it is addictive it's very slick it's one very clever yeah marketing campaigns of all time yeah great and people he, like sharing music so what, you gotta give them credit, yeah. I mean, like, like, I don't agree with shaming people, you know, the people who are like, you know, oh, you know, you you owe all these artists money. We, we probably do, and it is reflective of a bigger, of a bigger problem. Um, but, you know, don't shoot the messenger, essentially, I guess is what I would say. But musicians have every right to speak out against it. And Nadine Shah, a Mercury-nominated artist from the UK, is one such person. Uh, she wrote a column for The Guardian last week and, you know, kind of really got into how streaming has really not doesn't help her essentially so uh, to quote from her she talked about how the pandemic obliterated festivals and gigs meaning we were forced to survive on streaming income alone as a cocky northern lass I thought I'd be like you know I, I thought I'd be fine come on Nadine you'll be alright you've been nominated for a Mercury Prize you've over 100,000 monthly Spotify listeners you'll make the rent I was foolish the situation was such that I temporarily had to move back in with my parents over the summer not the worst thing to happen, but still not a great look for a 30-something pop star. Another self-referential pop star, fair play. Yeah. Like most of my musician friends who rely on gigs, I found myself in dire straits. Um, streaming only works for superstars and super record labels. Instead of receiving a direct amount per sale, as with downloads or physical purchases, it's a winner-takes-all system. And she gets into how, like, basically the bigger you are, the more chance you have to make money, and it's not really helpful for independent artists, and for a lot of them in general. Uh, she says, even before COVID, the major labels were making almost $20 million a day from streaming, and this year has seen a huge increase in subscription as fans turn to platforms such as Apple Music and Spotify to help ease their lockdown minds. Uh, for all the promise of digital democratization of music, the opposite appears to be happening. For an independent artist with a dedicated audience, the system doesn't work. 
Nor does it work for loyal fans. If you're a dance fan, a jazz fan, a metal fan, the artists you love and listen to are unlikely to see a penny of your subscription. Uh, she says that she knows streaming is the future, but that it's, you know, it's just not really working in the way that it should be. It's not as harmonic, I suppose. And she's mm. spoken alongside other artists like Guy Garvey of Elbow, Ed O'Brien of Radiohead and Tom Grave Gomez giving evidence to, I guess, government committees in the UK and trying to call on them to intervene and correct the streaming market where it's failing. Damon Alburn has echoed this call. He was speaking to well, PA that's... News. What a man. Uh, are you a fan? Number one, number one st- strange song of the year was Aries by Gorillaz featuring Hookie. Uh, as Peter in, Hook. This was your number one. Well, number one you, you, you made it sound like it was like the world's number one. It should have been. It was that good. <laughs> it's it's a, an incredible song. It's fun. It's the a, emotional pings I get when I hear do you get emotional the, hooky, the hooky bass line. One more time. The song is Aries by Gorillaz yeah. with Peter Hook. It's a good song. It's a great song. Three out of five. No offense. It's a great song. Listen, mate. I've seen him dance to it. He does like it. Um, but Damon Albarn, your hero, has said that the present British government has no empathy with the arts whatsoever. And sadly, that's a really important part of British culture, an essential part of our culture. We live in a pretty fucking miserable country at times. We need our arts to uplift us. It should be part of the prescription for our national health. Uh, he went on to criticise the British government's focus on areas such as football. He said, maybe a little less emphasis on the Premier League. Just running and a bit more love given to the arts would be a start, because I'm sorry, I love football as much as anybody else, but football alone does not sustain my soul. Now, I want to return to Nadine Shah's comments, but we'll start with Damon. Um, this kind of direct compare and contrast grouping of... Like, Stop it, doing it. It doesn't really work, why does do, it? Why do you have to crap on somebody else's industry? Yeah. Or why 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 is a thing I like not allowed, but a thing I don't like, is why is that allowed, you know? I don't think that's the way to do it. Some very valid points there. I, I know, like, I mean, it is, the, the arts do sustain us. And if you even think about some of the really exceptional sort of artistic outputs this year and how they've sustained people through it, they have a huge impact on how everybody feels throughout all of this. And I just think that, yeah, I think it's, if people did underestimate the arts and undervalue the arts, well, this year should probably have corrected them in their narrow mindsets. But it goes back to kind of what we were saying and I guess Nadine Shaw kind of echoes it. Obviously we're talking about the UK specifically there but it does apply to Ireland as well and probably applies to wherever you're from really um, in that. But this has always been the thing, right? I mean like the arts, people in the arts have always been you know, looked down upon or at least ha- certainly have their own perception of, of that and you can argue about how accurate that is. I mean like I've always talked about how it annoys me that Ireland has always been marketed and sold to tourists as like this amazing land of amazing dreamers and poets and musicians and writers and so on. And yet, you know, if you're like, hello, help me out, please, government, in a non-pandemic situation, and I guess in a pandemic situation as well, you're not guaranteed, not that you necessarily should be guaranteed. We've seen a lot of stuff, uh, like in Ireland as well, recently where artists like Mundy and Picture House and various others have been kind of taking the current situation's task over like government or like government slash arts council funding that's been given out. And that in itself is a whole mm. fucking huge quagmire that yeah. like... I guess it's impossible to keep everyone happy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's good enough, right? No, no well, look, it's a debate. It's a debate to be had and people, like, feel really strongly on it. So, I mean, I'm not going to tell anybody that they're wrong for saying that they aren't or they aren't appreciated enough or aren't backed enough and supported enough by the government who has funding to give to arts. So, I mean, there's legitimate views there. Yes, I mean, if you were in charge of funding for arts, like it'd be no encore all the way, right? I mean, I was, yeah, <laughs> obligatory Patreon subscriptions out of every paycheck, ten grand. They're like, oh, cheers, sorry, man. folks, it's podcast time. <laughs> Uh, let's switch our attention to another part of the world, America, uh, in which. Um, 
I guess I'm, I've never been a fan, right? I've never really understood it. I've never understood the chance America. to... America. <laughs> <laughs> By light, yes. Uh, or America as, as an idea. The concept. I mean, it's... It's, it's a continent, not a country, Damon. <laughs> it's got a lot going for it, you know? I mean, like, the Godfather starts with a reference to America. The Wire starts with a reference it's, to America. It's a big place. A lot of people. A lot of influence. A lot of things happen, you know? Like, all, all the world's a stage. But um, Chance the Rapper is yes. one such member of that world. Chicago, I believe he's Chicago MC. So, I've never really rated him, and everyone always falls back on oh, Acid Rap Man or Coloring Book. I hate Coloring Book. Do you know what? The way to look and to, to the microcosm of Chance the Rapper's career was that at the absolute peak and the best artistic output he ever put out was Ultralight Beam, um, which included the immortal line, I met Kanye West, I'm never going to fail. Well, And then after that, he did nothing but fail miserably as an artist, in my view. Well, it's gotten worse. How do you feel about his most recent, his, his alleged debut album, even though he released two or three albums before this, uh, The Big Day? He loves his wife, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> you got to give him credit for that. Um, horrendous album, twenty a war crime of a record, 22 tracks about how much he loves his wife, even though you don't learn anything about her as a person, just how much he loves her. And it's just and not even in an interesting way. No, does that? I mean, I'm sure you can somehow point people at the the, the YouTube clip of parodying the bonus track of it, which just goes "Ooh, I love my wife," and does the chant scream. Ah! So he was on. Yeah, I asked you today what the clip was. Ebro was. He was on Ebro on Hot ninety seven, which is New York's one of New York's uh, premier hip hop stations, and he described himself as one of the top five rappers of all time because he didn't end up in Ebro, one of the longest running hip hop DJs of all time, his top 50. He wasn't in Ebro's top 50 and he was like, this is a disgrace. Why am I? I'm top five and I ain't five. Well, this is all in the last couple of years. What's happening now, though, and what's currently happening is that his former manager, Pat Corcoran, a.k.a. Pat the Manager. They got I hope that's actually what he goes by. Apparently he does. Um, he's suing Chance the Rapper for breach of contract. Um, and during it, he basically trashed the big day, which I thought was an incredible sideswipe. Uh, he's suing, I guess, long story short, Corcoran is suing Chance the Rapper. He says he's owed over $2.5 million of unreimbursed wow. expenses supporting and promoting uh, Chance the Rapper, aka Chancellor Bennett's career. According to the lawsuit, um, they began working together a while ago and they agreed that they could both profit from the music industry independently and set out to transform Chance the Rapper into a global brand, which, I mean, I, I wouldn't call him a global brand, but he's very well known, I guess, was liked for a while. But, you know, do you remember, like, he, he's he's cancelled a lot of gigs, and then he was doing a big tour for that record. Mm. So the, it alleges here, Corcoran alleges that, like, tickets simply weren't selling, and that he cancelled his gigs as a result of this, and thus, it's time to fucking pay me what I'm owed. Um... Here's an excerpt from the lawsuit. Having enjoyed repeated success with the release of his first three mixtapes, that's 10 Day, Acid Rap and Coloring Book, Bennett announced on the 11th of February 2019, without consulting with or giving advance notice to his former manager, that he would release his first studio album in July of that year. Given the significant amount of work, care and attention needed to produce an album, Corcoran expressed serious concern with the release date that Bennett had unilaterally announced for the album. Corcoran knew in view of the commitments Bennett had in early 2019, including his own wedding, it was likely that there was not enough time for the creative process that was involved in releasing an album, and Corcoran advised Bennett in this regard. 
He opposed announcing the release of any album before the recording or writing process even began, let alone was substantially completed. Compounding the issue, Bennett's recording efforts were compromised by unproductive and undisciplined studio sessions. Procrastination and lackadaisical effort perpetuated by various hangers-on, uninterested in the hard work of writing and recording, wow. resulted in a freestyle-driven product of subpar quality, a complete deviation from the meticulous writing process that brought Bennett fame for his wordplay and wit. Corcoran also announced in this fucking legal letter, by the way, reminder, that the big day was panned by many influential critics, I guess um, Anthony Fontana being one of them. I'm not necessarily his biggest fan. i me as well. You as well, of course. Uh, Anthony Fontana... That, Gave it a flat zero. That needle drop review is actually fucking hilarious to his credit. It's At one stage, he just starts reading out the lyrics, which are so bad. Um, calls the album his least popular project to date. And just trashes it like completely. Like, like I, 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 I guess these things are not uncommon. There are instances throughout no, the history of like yeah, lawsuits always... where you trash someone's, I guess, intellectual property. But like, oof. And what's funny is burn from Pat, Pat the manager. <laughs> give him the money. Pat, Pat the manager, like, uh, it's a winning argument, is what it is. It's open and shut. Yeah, uh, I would have to say that I do wonder about the future of Chance the Rapper. I, I, I do remember even around the time of Coloring Book coming out. And even in the run-up to the big day, uh, that there was a lot of hype. And I don't see anybody talking about Chance the Rapper anymore. I think it's um, it's actually sad to see. I find him a very easy person to parody these days because of stuff like the My Wife stuff and him being notoriously thin-skinned on social media or in interviews. Like his whole promotional campaign around the big day was um, just marred with nonsensical statements and just general it just generally was an embarrassing one i think he'd probably if he had the self-awareness would admit his dad used to work for obama though really yeah ken ken bennett what was the he was like an aide i think when obama was a senator so there you go that's pretty cool so his photos like chance and chance's brother who's also a rapper and like the family all there in the white the oval office hanging around with family friends Barry O.B. Better times, yeah. Yeah, better times. It's all been downhill. I, I do find it sad. Like, I mean, I don't, I, I no chance has never been your personal cup of tea. Uh, but it is sad to see an artist who is still young. And I hope he can get back to something like the artistic credibility and sort of the, just that 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 love from his fans. I, I was let down before. He, he, he seems to have a notorious track record of cancelling gigs. Uh, I remember I was booked in to go see him at the Helix um, Our former DCU stomping yeah, ground. I, yeah, I was booked in to go see him at the Helix. Um, and um, Kanye West had some sort of, um, there was some sort of medical issue with Kanye West. Uh, so he cancelled the gig last minute. He says, oh, I'll be back. But I'm pretty sure he's cancelled another gig since then. I think he was on a longitude lineup. Yeah. If I recall correctly, out. I think he pulled out of that. He's, he, and apparently this isn't a, like he, he cancelled his tour for the big day, didn't he? I mean, like, I think he gave a, your classic reason for like, like a mysterious non-real Camilla reason, but it's being alleged in this lawsuit that the reason was poor ticket sales. So I think he might have just lost the fucking, the goodwill of the people, essentially. Which is tough. Like, I mean, you can like a guy or not. He's, he's an artist and he's trying, I guess. He should try a little harder. Well, I guess maybe, I mean, like, but like, it's just, it is sad to see. It's you think, sad to see. But you think of other artists, like say, like a Frank Ocean, who can, you know, seem to be unreliable when it comes to gigs or when it comes to even like releasing like his vinyl and sending it to people on time. I speak, yeah. of course, for Craig Fitzpatrick in this moment, but at least Frank Ocean has given us some fairly peerless records. I mean, for example, but like, like if you just looked at any of, any of, who would you put as, um, Chance the Rapper's contemporaries or peers? You'd probably think of people like Tyler the Creator. You'd probably think of people like, would you say Kendrick? Would you say Drake is a contemporary? Would you say Joey Badass and 
you know, Jake Hull. I mean, if they are, they've each excelled and they've been continuously producing great music and, you know, he he does seem to have been left behind by them. Definitely, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I so, think like like for example, like you used the example of Tyler, like he's gone from strength to strength for me as an artist. Yeah. Like, I think I would there would have been a time where I would have preferred Chance the Rapper to Tyler the Creator. And I think that is that would be a laughable laughable position for anybody to take at this moment. Even allowing for people's personal preferences, I think it would be laughable to suggest. I would have loved if somehow Chance the Rapper had turned up in your top five Spotify. <laughs> like for no reason, just like, <laughs> here he is. Uh, and finally, in the news corner this week, the and finally corner, Kiss, that amazing rock band, have revealed that they have 150 shows left on their farewell tour, including a stop-off at a location, a mysterious location described by the band as the coldest place on earth. Uh, oh. They kicked off this final tour in January 2019 but were forced to put on hold earlier for obvious pandemic reasons. And yeah, Gene Simmons is talking up. He's saying the vaccines are going to be out there for everybody by January, February, March at the latest. So he's very clued in as well. Uh, we're going to be out there a few months after that. We literally got 150 cities booked. Uh, we're going to continue this tour. Um, is this their, this, it's their farewell tour, is yes, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Allegedly. Um, he says, you can't imagine what we've got planned. Um, people, a hell of a lot of concerts. 150, yeah. He said, um, you know, he said that he's faced uh, resistance from some people, but ultimately they've, they've barreled their way through. Uh, the icy location, which has yet to be revealed, Simmons is talking this up because if you can imagine us playing there with even larger power than you've ever seen, because there's nothing around there, that's all I'll say about it. So I don't know where the fuck he's going. It sounds like the fucking crater from the ending of Final Fantasy. He's flicking through the shore dates here. Oh, yeah. And despite the fact that there's like a million gigs, there's none in Ireland. I don't know. They play, I, I nearly saw them. I never saw them. They played Three Arena before, right? And I think they'd be great to see. Apparently, it's a lot of crack. So a friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine went to the Three Arena show, right? And apparently, and I guess they must do this for every city. Apparently, at the very start of the show, they had a video. And the video was of, like, a giant kiss, like, you know, 200 feet tall or whatever, walking down O'Connell Street and smashing up places like the GPO with their guitars. And I'm like, that's, in, that, yeah, like, that's incredible. But also, some respect, please, lads. Gene Simmons must apologize. I have to give him They some- actually go to Europe twice, Dave. I'm sorry, I'm just looking through this. They go to Europe. There's two whole passes through Europe. And no Ireland. Not a single hint of Ireland. Jesus. Okay. I was about to give him credit because he took some time. Unless they come back again a third time. Hang on a minute. They might do. No, they don't. It's 150 dates. (laughs) We're done. Fuck's sake. Uh, I was going to give him credit because he did actually like educate his fans on the importance of wearing face masks as though they spread of the coronavirus. Because, you know, you never know. There's been a lot of kind of like older rock stars who have unfortunately taken the other approach quite hard. So you you never know where you stand. Shouts to Van. (laughs) No more lockdown. The best song of the year, of course, by everyone's everyone's favourite. I've listened to it about three times just for the comic value. Um, Before we get to our wrestling or grapple-infused top five, um, what have you enjoyed this year? Like new stuff in particular, like like what's worked for you? I have to shout out, um, I think it's been an incredible year for Irish music in particular. I think I've I've actually, one of the things now I've enjoyed um, about this year is the amount of new releases by Irish artists and having... Even being around the house here to discuss them with yourself and with Owen, who's our, our other housemate, uh, it's been really great. I've loved um, Fontaine's DC. I, I was really interested in their follow-up to uh, Doggrill. Uh, I didn't think it would be any good, but I really loved it. And I still do play it on the regular Pillow Queen's sensational album. Um, I've loved the stuff from people like Nilo. Um, I, ju- I just... I'm really impressed in East Chila as well, I have to say. Even the sort of smaller projects, like even the Who's Asking remixes, which have been sort of wheeled around the country by God knows. And, uh, it's, it's, I'm just consistently impressed by the, by those guys. I think otherwise outside of that, 
I have my like little 2020 playlist here on my screen of like stuff which I've starred this year, which is new. Uh, Gemma Dunleavy as well, actually. Sorry, while I'm here on the on, on Irish music. Otherwise, outside of Ireland, uh, Freddie Gibbs, I loved. I loved Alfredo. Um, <sighs> Run the Jewels 4, I would say. You, you seem hesitant there for a second. Yeah, I just don't want I just, I just. It hasn't it's, stayed it's been, with It's you, their best it? one since two. Well, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Four is their best since two, which is a remarkable achievement. Incredible. Um, the Adela Havas as well. I'd really love that album. So some great stuff. It's, it, I think it's been a good year for me. I music. think it's been a good year too. Yeah, yeah. it has. It's, it's actually quite hard. I'm working on my end of year list at the moment and it's it's actually a lot more difficult this year to kind of jigsaw it into place than it's yeah. been both in albums and in songs this year. So I guess for all the fucking, you know, horror that this year has had and all the all the lack of things, like the lack of going to the cinema, the lack of going to gigs, the lack of even just going outside a lot. I think music somehow, I mean, like maybe a lot of shit was done in advance or people just kind of risen to the occasion. Oh yeah, go on, go on. Music wrap it up. <laughs> makes the people come together. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. <laughs> Richard Chambers. Mr. DJ. Government building. Put a record on. <laughs> uh, let, okay, well, let's put some wrestling records on. Professional wrestling. Um, I guess like it was a big part of lockdown one for us, right? I mean, like, I, like I, we're kind of about laps fans, I suppose. Like, we keep up with what's going on. We don't I necessarily watch. I despise the concept of professional wrestling more than life itself. <laughs> Talk about it. I want to hear all about it. Come on, tell me. It's not. Like, it's a gross industry. It's probably the grossest industry, right? Just a lot of bad stuff happens bad people. to people. I mean, I don't want to talk about people being bad or not if they're not here to defend themselves in in in, in a squared circle precisely you know? yeah where they would need but, to yeah look i i really loved it as a kid um and there's just some great music has been made in the cause of professional wrestling uh, and i think that that is something to celebrate and what happened was i don't know what it was i think we watched this documentary about um evolution uh, well, it was, yeah. It was a four-part WWE Network thing. A famous stable featuring the likes of Ric Flair, Triple H, Keith, Randall Keith Orton, <laughs> and uh, Dave, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Batista. and Brooklyn. Oh, wait, no. Was it Brooklyn? Was the name of the f- no, it wasn't Brooklyn. wasn't the film. What was the name of the film? Bushwick. Flatbush, or Bud- Butwish, Bud- Bushwick. Bushwick. Yeah. Bushwick. Yeah, Terrible which film. Which is a part of Brooklyn, and it was the worst film we saw. It was pretty bad. That was last year. But yeah. We like. I mean, the documentary is great. Motorhead made a lot of wrestling music. <laughs> I will say, somewhat inexplicably. So you know, like, like I talk about wrestling quite a bit on the show. I will say that, like, yes, when it's bad, it's bad. When it's good, it's amazing. And like, we were actually like, interestingly enough, though, fact fans, mm. um, we were due to go. I was due to bring you to your first That's right. wrestling. That's actually yeah. right. We we're going to go to OTT back yeah. in March, and remember that was the weekend where like. They did cancel it, but yeah. like it was looming. Everything was looming. Yeah. Like, this was the start of like Ireland. That's kind of, actually, I completely forgot about that. I know, yeah. right? We were supposed to go to the National Stadium for Scrapper Mania. Look at the graps. And yeah. it would have been fucking unbelievable because like it's always a great night out. I mean, like, like in fairness, like get a few beers and like. I'm just, I am really impressed by some of the Irish people involved in professional wrestling. Like some of the clips I've seen online. It's just really impressive. And I love that it's, it's a creative industry, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That it's, it's really, it's really impressive. So I'm like, you know what? That would be a fun night out. Yeah. And it was stolen from us. It was but that taken. Is unfortunate. I actually, I will, I a hundred percent take you up on a on a reskate of those. So it's longitude and it's wrestling yeah. in twenty twenty one. This is how <laughs> exciting here. If you're wondering how how, how your news journalists who've been on the front line for this are gonna are are, are gonna respond, he's not gonna go on a four week holiday to the Maldives. He's going to wrestling. It's I gonna am. be amazing. Live events. That's where we're going back to <laughs> mass gatherings. <you> yeah. know? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, let's say uh, we won't get into the uh, to the difficulties of, of being a professional wrestling fan, but uh, music is pretty fucking good, let's be fair. So this week, uh, we both are on best. There's no best and worst. You could easily do both, but ultimately, it's kind of a go with your gut thing. So uh, I found it hard. I found it really hard to get it down. You told me you did a short list of like 13 I had a short list of 13. I was sort of going back through and I was sketching on a notepad sort of my favourite old professional wrestlers and teams I could remember because they often do pop into my head. There's another person as well, Gavin Riley will often talk about it as well. I think he was telling me that... Oh, he's uh, big into it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Andrade Cien Almas's old theme song was like one of his most played on Spotify <laughs> a couple of years ago. Hang on, did you consult... I'm not telling tales in school like Gav there. Did you consult with Gav on this? No, I didn't. I didn't actually. This was this was my own solemn duty. I think it was... I owed it to, the, to my inner child to pick the best songs that I could possibly get. Um... Shall I start us off? Yeah, start us off, yeah. I think I, I think it's only fair that if we're starting off <laughs> a professional wrestling uh, theme off, that we go back to the origins and we take the advice of a real American. <laughs> Wow, straight in with the fucking big guns, Real American, Rick If you Derringer, hurt my yeah. friends, Dave, then you hurt my pride. <laughs> didn't I gotta you, be the man. I can't let it slide. Didn't have you down as a big Hulk Hogan man. Yeah, I'm not a big Hulk Hogan man, but... <laughs> oh, this is peely away, I could possibly say that. Uh, it's an amazing song, it's though. It's incredible. Do you know what? It brings me back. It brings me back to, um, I think it was around a Christmas time when I was a kid. I think it was one of the SmackDown games... It was one of the first ones on the on the PS2, and um, it was around the time Hulk Hogan came back into the WWE in the in the early two thousands. And I remember there was sort of like a once you finished the career mode that it played that song with the weird haunting sort of slow burn intro to it, and I was just like, "This is emotional." I completed the game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> And also, it was used to an amazing effect. Was it? Wasn't it used in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? I think it was. I just remember Obama using it when he had the whole birth certificate. Remember the whole birth certificate thing when he's being fucking. Oh wow! I didn't even realize. I didn't even remember that. He came in at some dinner and that that he actually had entrance music and that was his entrance music. Sensational! And I was like, "That's fucking you know." That's sensational. Whatever about all those drone strikes? That's pretty good, right? You it, know? It, but it's it it, it just come speaks, get me, Obama administration. <laughs> it just it just speaks to a particular era of wrestling of me in the 1980s and 90s and the in like Hulk Hogan was like the most undefeatable person in the world despite the fact that he had oh, no obvious skills as a wrestler <laughs> he kicked people in the face he had the Hulk up and, and dropped the leg the comeback you know and he stole Bret Hart's title that time that was insane that was like that really annoyed me as a kid I I, I was furious I can't believe we're doing a wrestling podcast this is unbelievable this is what we've always wanted unbelievable like, I'm, I'm delighted we could you know we could do this regular every single week it's not like you're very busy or like, what would it be uh, well, the show. No disqualifications. That, that works, yeah. Yeah. Perfect, yeah, yeah. Just listen, like you say the word. Like, you know, um, get the word out, you know? Yeah, there we go. People it's... will people, people will follow. So Hulk Hogan, I, I don't like Hulk Hogan. I, I, it doesn't I, matter, Dave. It doesn't matter. It does matter. We're it gonna, doesn't matter. We're, we're picking the song. Yeah, but these are jump off points. Like, this is how the top five works. Like, like, it's amazing. I think, you, I think there's certain sort of criteria you need for 
you know, the, um, the, the theme music hall of fame and like you want, you want them to be, it needs to speak to something of their character. I think that's going to be a key one for me. Um, it needs to be a banger of a song. Um, it needs to sound good and immediate, you know, for run-ins and stuff like that when, for some reason in kayfabe that if they're going to run in in the middle of something <laughs> they or the ambush first. someone yeah, yeah. you're going to announce your arrival with really loud give, music give it five seconds and play it <laughs> i don't want the element of surprise wait a minute that's hulk hogan's music it's it, it's a perfect it's it's american exceptionalism writ large it's um i mean i wouldn't write i wouldn't say it's a good song but as a wrestling team it's imperious and i guess like that's what it needs to be right everything needs to be turned up to fucking 12 not even just 11 but just like oh as as, as big as big as you can i can't believe like you 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 did a run-in on me giving it a bit of hulk hogan uh, like he terribly that's being. the way it's gotta be brother <laughs> terrible wrestler um but yeah i guess it's held up it does have that kind of strange iconicness and also like i guess of the time that was a time when wrestling was like the biggest thing right yep. it was like huge the crowds were fucking like the the noise of the crowd was out of control like these days like obviously it's you know if even if the pandemic was over WWE crowds these days are quite you know like this is not a lot of life there and it, it, you go back through the eras and like it is that thing of like i guess people also people all people kind of believed in it believed in the magic yeah. of it and kind of like left their suspension disbelief still real to me damn it fair enough okay it's a good choice <laughs> it's a good choice to kick us off um we're gonna go from the hulkamania era um, you mentioned Hogan's comeback. You mentioned him returning to uh, to the fray, as it were. So um, he did come back. He had a bit of a run. And during that run, he got absolutely fucking beasted by this man. That's right. It's next big thing, aka wow. Brock Lesnar's entrance music. You didn't even announce him. Brock. <laughs> Brock. <laughs> Uh, he's the best, right? I mean, like, like, like the reason that music works for me so well is because, like, first of all, I mean, I guess, like, most of the wrestling song construction we have here, uh, particularly in the modern era, like, it, it's it's looping, like, like it's yeah, just yeah, a yeah. loop, and it, it's gotten more and more that way. Um, it fits in with, for for me. It fits in with his character as well. Yeah, like, he's going to kill you. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. that's the point of it this. Seem, it sounds very sort of I don't know how, but it sounds very athletic, which sort of speaks to his backgrounds in different sports. Yeah, there's something which is very like sort of like pre-game NFL about it. It's propulsive as hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for anyone who doesn't know, Brock Lesnar is like a fucking freak of nature, essentially. Who, former NFL footballer, former, former college NFL, footballer, yeah. former college champion wrestler, former UFC world heavyweight champion. Mm-hmm. Not to be messed with. And also like kind of wrestling's hottest free agent. I mean, like he kind of commands his own. Like Lesnar, like mostly works in short bursts. That's why a lot of his matches in WWE in the last couple of years have been like this, these five minute matches where they just like spam finishers. I'm going to say, Dave, I hope people are listening to this if they aren't interested in wrestling, (laughs) but I imagine the vast majority of people who are listening to a top five on wrestling. <laughs> know who Brock Lesnar is. 
but I feel, but, but I feel like I feel like this is like the yeah, hardest. It's good. It's good sell. I, this is the hardest sell for a top five, which is one reason yeah. why I was like, okay, Richard's got appeal. It's very niche wrestling. Let's see how much appeal that has. People, yeah, most people may have turned off the show by if now. If you have stats on that, I'd love to see it. I'll check it out. I, I can imagine like, like a, a predicted interest curve of just a huge drop off. But Brock Lesnar is a, a a freak show of a wrestler, and probably voted for Trump. I don't know. I've no idea. I feel like a lot of wrestlers probably did. Probably did. <laughs> Problematic industry. Um, but no, it works because it's like it's straightforward. It's simple. It has that kind of level. Like you mentioned like you know SmackDown games like SmackDown. Here comes the pain in 2003. I thought it was like mm. one of the better games, and he was like the poster boy. I'd fallen out like with, with wrestling at this point. I wasn't even sure who the guy was. Came back to it, missed his whole run in real time. I had to catch up on it after the fact, and I was just like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" Like he lo- looks like no one else incredible athlete and the whole character of Brock Lesnar is he's a killer and that is absolutely reflecting his music like the only other one of this nature that kind of comes close I think is like Kevin Owens' theme I think is really fucking good it's yeah. that kind of you know relentless guitar like and it's just very much like that music hits and you're like oh fuck do you know what? I, I think if you're comparing and not to go too deep into the weeds on wrestling, like oh, if you were to compare, That's what we're like, here for. <laughs> like, like he's, his nearest comparable person is Goldberg in terms of like freak of nature, beats everybody up. And like, I think what his team music does that Goldberg's doesn't is that it has that immediacy and that real like up tempo, whereas Goldberg's is just spooky big man is going to kick my ass slowly. <laughs> Yeah, and there's more kind of pageantry, I guess. Which is great. To, to I do think that, that has a place, and pageantry is a big, big part of entrance teams and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. for me, Lesnar has the edge. Absolutely, yeah. Goldberg's one is like, it's almost like gladiatorial. Yeah. Like, here's the, that's, the that's big entrance. Cool. Yeah. And like the big fucking procession. Whereas Lesnar's one is like, okay, this guy's going to be in the ring in 30 seconds and he's going to kill me. Which is what the music gets across. What's your number four? Well, do you think you know what this one is? I've got do you a, think you know... Me? <laughs> you said it was was <laughs> Metalingus with Edge's seventh WWE song. Um, How is it his seventh song? Wait, no, song? is it Metalingus the band? I don't think it is. No, Alter Bridge Alter is the Bridge. band. Do you know who Alter Bridge are a spinoff of, by oh. the way? Creed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, it's a great song. It is. Uh, it does. I think, I, I hope that it's, uh, that the clip I've played there includes the You Think You Know Me motif. I'll make sure it does, don't which, worry. Which was, you know, part of Edge's character. I think I really like this because it's a banger of a song. It is a banger of a song. It's an absolute shredder of a song. Most recently played in the Emirates Stadium to no crowd at halftime. Yes. What was that about? The, the Emirates <laughs> M- uh, DJ spun this. He also played... The game, I think. The game yeah, yeah, yeah. by Motorhead. Um, what a job. I think this one, I picked this one because it's a real... It connects with the character in a different way to all of the other songs. Do you know this song... Um, given what happened to Edge's career, which was cut short by injury, um, I think that some of the lyrics, you know, I'll never long for what might have been a, bit, a bitter place and a broken dream. I will leave it all behind, you know, 
given everything that that man went through, not the character, but the person involved. And do you remember his big emotional farewell? It was great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, great in terms of like for what they are. Like it's not a lot of wrestlers get the opportunity. Like Daniel Bryan's retirement as well was tear jerking. Edges was the same. It was very much like if you follow these guys and like, it's that thing of like breaking the, like, like, like this is not a bit guys. And then the crowd slowly realize, oh fuck. Cause wrestling, of course, is like the amount of lies that are told in wrestling. Like, Don't work like, yourself into a shoot, brother. I mean, for example, like, you know, we talked about it recently, like, you know, the amazing Mark Henry retirement angle, which was an angle. It wasn't a real retirement and it's one of the best, like, of that kind of thing because the crowd bought it yeah. and then he had them. But yeah, when a wrestler is actually like forced to stand in front of people and retire, like he, he, even like, you know, for health reasons, you think of Roman Reigns uh, when his leukemia came back and it's one of those real moments where like for just a moment, you know, the ridiculousness mm. of wrestling melts away and the real human being who yeah, it's a performer probably can't yeah. even walk properly, yeah. <laughs> you know, for, for this life, you're just like, Oh Jesus. And yeah, it is that, that whole thing. And yeah, you know, you can get emotional every now and then, you know? Yeah. I mean, I just think, I, I think about like, I look behind the curtain on it there and you sort of think about the amazing, the amazing amount of traveling that these people do. They're doing shows every night and there's obviously, you know, concerns about that level of, you know, exertion and physical impact of that. And I just feel like for that to be taken away from a guy, who really loved what he did it was was a tough one, and he went on to star in Money Plane. So I mean, <laughs> we watched Money Plane over the summer. Uh, I think we both gave it a half star out of five. It was the worst film I've ever seen. Pretty bad, right? We thought it was gonna be fun. I thought it'd be a, a great laugh. He spends the majority of the film sitting in a cockpit because he couldn't pay him for more days. Clearly, I don't understand it. He's a wrestler. Why yeah. isn't he like fighting people? <laughs> what the fuck? Sure, yeah. Well, look, I just think if Money Plane had this in it. This is the last tribute I'll pay to, to this Better song. film, like, you know. It would be at least a three-star film. I saw a man earlier on, and if the credits had have belted into this, I'd be like, well, that makes no sense, but, but I'm like, happy that to hear it. was a great guy. <laughs> uh, Edge, underrated wrestler or just right? Um, I don't have many strong opinions on Edge as a wrestler, to be honest. More, I really don't. So it's more of a personal story. It's just a great personal story. It's a great story. I think it's a great tune. Um... And when he did his, he did a return thing there recently. I saw the it Royal up on Rumble. YouTube. He did the Royal Rumble. That was great. Return, yeah. Love that sort of stuff. It's pretty incredible. Love yeah. an return. They're the moments, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty good stuff. All right, okay, good stuff. I, lo- I love how like you're you're trying to not get into the minutiae of wrestling, but like it's the human element that's getting yeah. you right now. That's what it's about. The first one was about American maximalism. Yeah, and this one now is about like just an underdog story. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and All the right. emotional toil of it. Do you know what? Actually, and it's not a wrestling theme song, but actually, I think it's reflective of the themes that we're talking about here. Bruce Springsteen song for the wrestler oh yeah that's that's a song that's good stuff that's yeah. your that's our outro music for t- i've <laughs> i've never gone back live to, producing a podcast i've never gone back to that film uh i enjoyed it it's i really good, never watched but, it again but i just feel like right i you know it it's it's a one and done yeah especially because like i don't want to go back to that ending it's no, very tough, sad tough, <laughs> tough. song is very tough as well don't do it ram ram <laughs> jam or whatever the fuck you oh ram jam ram, but anyway yeah watch that film actually that's a recommendation the wrestler, yeah it's good yeah if you're still here you know like you might, well, <laughs> yeah, you might as well commit. i feel like half the show is still with us so that's pretty good right that's all right but this is good i mean like, i'll take like, it I'd rather, I, like I, I, I wanted to get you on to to have the give give me the news shit yeah. but also give me this shit well, well this I'm is gonna get into, we're getting into controversial opinions cornered <laughs> this just to make sure anybody's still listening okay well i guess that's okay i mean like my next one i think is, is more of a more of a unification one i think it's something we can all enjoy so at number four for me in the best wrestling themes it's one from uh, 2014 
Yes, it is a chorus. <laughs> well, there you go. I mean, like, like, that's the Rising Sun, right? It's uh, Shinsuke Nakamura's theme uh, for WWE when he joined up with the company. And it's amazing. Mm. But, like, like, you've already kind of jumped into something I want to talk about, which is, like, my theory about professional wrestling, which is, I think, fairly self-explanatory. Like, if you've ever watched the thing, is, like... I think fans just want something to fucking chant along to, right? Yeah, like, it's like it's like live sport in general. That's why people go to the darts and sing the theme music. Oh my god, have you have you ever done that? Have you ever no, I haven't. Live I'd darts. That's I'd another look, one of the lists for next. So live year. darts, longitude, and OTT. Right? Yeah, if things are safe, we're going to all of these things. Oh my god, Christmas darts in particular. Yeah, like, yeah that's that, that's coming in now. It's gonna be weird without any any crowds. Um, wasn't sorry. Wasn't there a thing this year with like the darts where like someone. Because they were doing the virtual darts tour, and someone had to pull out because their modem wasn't good enough for the, uh, their internet connection. Very twenty twenty problem. Fucking unbelievable. But like, honestly, like if you look back over like Steve Austin, fucking Hulk Hogan, uh, Degeneration X, whoever. Like, I mean, like if someone has a catchphrase that takes off, or like a song that can be kind of sung along to, they're going to be the most over. Like, like, like they're going to get the most reaction. Like Daniel Bryan, yes, chant. Mm. I mean, like it's just it's 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 a combination of that and also i guess like an intrinsic connection to supporting the wrestler but like the nakamura theme kind of became its own strange cult thing straight away he had the combination of coming in as this legendary japanese wrestler yeah the king of strong style goes to wwe and kind of start we we actually watched the nakamura sami Zayn match um oh. just last night or two nights ago and that's a belt like like of a fight but ultimately i feel like nakamura kind of like was on the wind is on the wind down. He's still with WWE. It's strange how he's gone from being like. I remember when this came out, and I remember sending one of his entrances. I think it was that entrance to a friend of mine who doesn't even like wrestling, and I was like, "I promise you, you'll watch this entrance and you'll think this guy is cool." It just has that kind of next level appeal. His whole character is like this kind of strange, mysterious guy who's like, you know, he's, he's got the charisma of a Freddie Mercury or Muhammad Ali or something, and like he's incredible to watch. Rock ring. star sort of virtual rock star you know? thing, and the music really, really suits it. But like, it's kind of sad to see. Like, number one. You know, he kind of just, like, he's kind of just phoning it in there for the last few years, and that's fine. He's earned his fucking ability to do that. I'm happy that he's just surfing on, you know, whatever US coast he lives on. But uh, this is a guy who's, like, an incredible performer in the ring, and the song is just instantly, it's an instant hit. But also, I guess, and, like, it's rare to give WWE credit for this kind of thing, because they're very, very guilty in the opposite direction so often, but, like, they've had a lot of Asian wrestlers over the year who've gotten the exact same generic Asian song, and it's just, like... That is so racist, that is so throwaway, so dismissive. Mm. I think the song manages to both pay, you know, kind of tell you where he's from yep. with its kind of instrumentation, but also it's got its own unique kind of standalone personality. It works completely on its own. And I think, I, mean, I could be wrong here, but I'm, I think I read that Bobby Roode's Gloria song, which is fairly kind of fun and sing along to. I think that was originally supposed to be given to Nakamura, but he said no. He was mm. like, no, I want something different and I want something kind of in this style. But also, wow. while I'm while I'm on the subject here, I do want to play one other clip here, which is that they did a really, really good thing. So they turned him heel um, a, few, a few years into his run. So in 2018, he gets turned heel. And it didn't really lead to where you wanted it to lead. Like, again, like his work kind of slowed down. They didn't really know what to do with the character. They gave him the US title and it was like the United States of Knack America, which was like this. That's great. It, I mean, very it, clever. it could have worked, <laughs> but it was just kind of like not really like it, there was some, some parts of the world, like him playing the arrogant heel who refused to speak English worked. And it works really well because they gave him a new theme, knowing that the fans are going to fucking chant along. He'll still be a baby face. How do we get around this? Well, they did this.
Just whack some lyrics in there. It's actually fucking class. That's by a band called Shadows of the Sun. I think the song is called Shadow of a Setting Sun. And it's like, it managed to take the fucking thing away from the fans, which is kind of cool. And again, it's like, even the video of that band performing in this kind of like crimson light is really, really effective and cool. And it's it's almost like, it's strange that WWE had enough artistic kind of sensibility to do this. as well when he, was, when he was sort of super over... And they got that live violin guy to do that. That's fucking incredible. That's yeah. great as well. See, like they were, they were very sort of, sort of like, they were very open to the idea of sort of amping it up because they knew they had something great and they were able to sort of manipulate it based on where he was as a character. And I think that's great. That's great innovation from our, our beloved boys in Connecticut, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we are not on the World Wrestling Entertainment payroll, but we could be if you wanted to hire I'm or, sending this. Or, or, or sponsor No Encore or hit up the Patreon, patreon.com slash No Encore. I am sending this podcast to the, the person who owns Perfect. Our, our next theme song. Okay, what's number three for you? Number three is this. No In hell. Wow. I think this is one of the most mainstream things which has come out of professional wrestling. Everybody knows the Vince McMahon walk. Everybody knows the Vince McMahon, you know, gifts and like where he's fallen off the chair. He's a crossover superstar and the theme song is his character, you know. Mr. McMahon. Mr. McMahon. In it just encapsulates it so perfectly. I think it initially came off. He just one one time he was stone cold. Steve Austin was looking for the title, and Vince McMahon says, "You've no chance in hell." <laughs> and then they're like, "Oh, that's great! We use that as a theme song." And they made it. They made a theme song based on it. No it's, chance in hell. And it's a great thing along now because because now people are in on the whole thing. Because obviously back in the nineties, the heyday when we all watched it. Uh, Vince McMahon, Mr. McMahon was the ultimate baddie. Mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. the corporate guy. He's he was always boss, trying to keep so, the working you know, man. I, I want to beat the shit out of my boss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The American dream. Um, that he was the opposite of that. And now people just love the character so much over the years, despite having some misgivings about how he runs his company, perhaps. Uh, whenever he comes out now, uh, that song hits. But they're all, they're all bowing to him now. They all bow ironically and then they boo him. It's like, I guess it's the strange thing of like, he built all this. And yes, questionably, there's lots of uh, documentation out there. If you've never seen Beyond the Mat, which is a documentary coming out. There's a documentary by Bill Simmons. Oh yeah. It's like a four part thing or an eight part thing or something. Like it's a Netflix thing, but Beyond the Mat is on Netflix right now, which is a documentary from 999, which shows you Vince at his most fucking off kilter I would suggest uh, there's a film apparently in the works oh, well. yeah so there's all kinds of stuff happening there's compelling stuff there I actually think people should read up on it because I actually think it's actually interesting even for people who might not be interested in the whole professional wrestling thing I think there's a lot of it's just a really interesting story about how you make something which is a niche 
backyard fucking high school gym carnival like I mean, carnival like into a multi-billion dollar industry around yeah, the world completely. and even like now when it's like it's it's funny because like the parallel i think i can think of is like man united where it's like they are failing yeah. they are losing stuff whether it's lo- like obviously man united losing fucking football matches but like wwe like losing revenue and losing like fans and losing ratings like ratings are going down like each week you've got like the likes of AEW kind of coming up whatever but ultimately ultimately they've never been usurped and even though year on year they they seem to be taking a kicking like they they make all these huge deals with like Fox and so on and so they keep going but like the product is so fucking homogenous right now like i i still read the results kind of like reflexively and i will watch some of the pay-per-views mostly NXT but even that started to become a bit diluted mm. um but it's been this juggernaut and it is it's, it's funny cuz like i feel like you could absolutely write an amazing thesis on the professional wrestling industry without even being a fan. You could be like, if anything, you could be like, I hate this. It would help you more, I think, actually. Yeah. But I think it, you better read. But there's just so much in it. Like, like it's so dense and so fucking weird. And again, like problematic and, and difficult. And Vince is like the ultimate physical manifestation of this, oh. whether you like him or whether you don't. And the fact that he's still going and like, there's all these kind of crazy urban legends about the guy, like he sleeps two hours a night. He doesn't believe in sickness. Can't imagine how he's feeling about the coronavirus. But I mean, like, it's just like, but but also like I mean to his credit I guess like as an on screen character ramped up I can't think of a more wrestling character. Oh, he's perfect. Right? He encapsulates what professional wrestling. But she's is a heel. About. Like I just think the theme music just sums all of that up in the most brash, ridiculous. It has it has you know the simplicity of what you need from a wrestling theme as well to get back to the sort of the the, the main rub of it. You need a simplistic idea. It does need to loop. So having a repeatable motif or you know, chorus or whatever is really important to that. And he just gets across that he's a bad man. Dave. He's a bad man. So listen, number three for me this week is, um, I was saying to you on the way up here to record this show. And by the way, like if the show has been a bit messy from every kind of point of view, if it's audio or whatever, like dare you. give us a break, you know, we're in, we're, we're in our own gaff. You know? <laughs> like we're doing our best. Um, I was like, I said to you that I was like, Oh, I was like, I'm still kind of figuring it out in my head. I'm still kind of like last minuteing this, but I had one in here at number three originally that I moved out for a different one. So with apologies to friend of the show, Joshua Hughes, the Undertaker's Ministry of Darkness theme, amazing as it is, wow, did not make it. Instead, for my number three this week, I deliberately wanted to go a bit more old school. How ironic, right? It's as lethal weapon as it gets. Well, Richard, I'm here to tell you. That's the Four Horsemen. That's All the, right. The Four Horsemen theme tune. Yeah. the horse hoofs at the start. Precisely, yeah. So a stable, uh, appropriate, I guess, you know, a faction uh-huh. in wrestling. Uh, originally, uh, I guess, emerging in Jim Crockett promotions as part of Mid-Atlantic Championship Wrestling and later WCW, where I would have first encountered them. The original group of the Four Horsemen, despite being called the Four Horsemen, there have been many of them, mm. uh, consisted of Ric Flair, Aaron Anderson, Ole Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. And it's the most ultimate, like, tough guy, cool guy 
that era of wrestling stable and you had like I mean like you know we talked about evolution and I feel like we'll be talking about them again soon um but this is like when Triple H did evolution that was him doing his own version of the four horsemen like he was just like I love them I grew mm-hmm. up watching them they inspired me Rick Flair's Rick Flair's the wrestler I've been trying to be my whole career I, I want my own version they're fucking amazing now it's funny because like I would have seen them in WCW when the likes of Chris Benoit was in there who um problematic you might say problematic wrestler yep. Chris Benoit deeply um, but later members included Benoit Lex Luger Barry Windham Sting was in there for a bit Sid Vicious Paul Roma Brian Pillman Jeff Jarrett Steve McMichael probably the worst of the group uh, Kurt Hennig and Dean Malenko and it was basically like from what I could glean I'm not the biggest old school wrestling guy I've seen some of like the classic matches that you're supposed to see um, but from what I can glean the Four Horsemen is like you know the coolest of the stables like like, like the like I say like you know like these guys aren't just like you know cool dudes wearing suits with gold on their shoulders. They could beat the fuck out of you. Like like tag teams like the Revival have modeled themselves on wrestlers like Arn Anderson, where yeah. it's like technical geniuses. There's an unending the sort of chain of people that get you to any sort of given stable. Like yeah, you know, yeah. there's a heritage thing there. Heritage, I think, is is the perfect word for it. Like you know, there's kind of like you know diamond encrusted thing but also like the song i think works incredibly well because it's just like it's simultaneously like incredibly cheesy but also shit cool and it's like yeah it does have those qualities i think actually and it's fair. very much like like it's so wrestling like it's so fucking professional wrestling that like i'm just like that is the most and yeah i was this close to the undertaker one which is like this fucking ridiculously over the top um incredible mm-hmm. i love the undertaker one but i also was like ah oh, i was like man this is just way too wwe heavy i kind of want to throw it somewhere else so yeah, four horsemen, man. That's a pretty good show. Throw them up. Uh, my second uh, pick, number two for me, um, it actually came down to uh, my number one and my number two. Um, I was contemplating this and I actually had multiple choices for the number two or for the pick of the person whose theme it is. Uh, it simply is this. And again, we're going back to the Everett Stadium. Time. Time to play the game! <laughs> <laughs> it's all about the game, and how you play it. All about control, and if you can take it. All about your death, and if you can play it. It's all about pain, and who's gonna make it? Lemmy from Motorhead. Unbelievable. Triple H is the game. Unbelievable. It's so hype. It's so hype. It's so <laughs> hype. <laughs> it's incredible. Like that's that like that's another crossover success there. Like you see it played at the Emirates for Arsenal matches. You see Joel Embiid, who's like an NBA superstar, doing the Triple H thing of spitting out water on courtside while that song plays on. He introduces himself at games with that. People have come out of Major League Baseball games to the game. It's an incredible song. And it was such a, it was a bit of a coup for WWF to pull it off with Triple H getting Motorhead in for a song. And it's just amp. It's unbelievable. So 
Triple H, of course, is like on record as being this huge Motorhead fan, and I assume he had played a massive part in getting this to happen. There was three songs in particular in his career made by Motorhead for him, and of course, there's the infamous WrestleMania X7 performance of this, where Lemmy just doesn't know the lyrics, does not care, <laughs> and he's like, "We uh, are Motorhead, we're here to kick your ass," and then it's just like, "It's all about the game, and and it's all about the game, and the game, and it's all about the game and control," and it's just like, and Triple H is just like doing his entrance and like pointing at them as yeah. Lemmy's just like I don't give a fuck you know, what? You know what? it just reminds me of another reason why this team song is so good uh, is the um, parody uh, Billy Bragg version of this oh, song so good which is insane but it's, it's just, all about the game it's just brilliant it's <laughs> now you play it <laughs> the control it's the game of the workers yeah there's the Elvis yeah. Costello one which is fucking incredible it's, it's so good stuff um, like it's it's just it's a it, it suits his character. He's a heel, i.e., a baddie. Um, he's the cerebral assassin. It suits his, his, his. He's a giant man as well, and it's just sort of it, it, it. His imposing nature is encapsulated in this unbelievable song. As you said, uh, Lemmy and Motorhead came on for another team song of his, uh, King of Kings. Bow down to the bow down to the king, which is another classic I've heard. Um, it's sung by other people in the Virgin Media newsroom. You're joking at, at, at times because name such a banger it is. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Um, <laughs> Head of news. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was actually between this and um, Triple H's previous theme song, which was uh, "My Time." Oh yeah, yeah, Belder, uh, which is great. Which is a more typical wrestling team before they started getting an artist to do it, you know? Um, so, I mean, there's, there's not much more that can be said about it. It's a legit heavy metal rock smasher. I guess it's like it stems from that kind of period in his career where like it was like another step up. And I remember there was that famous interview with Jim Ross where like it had curses in it and stuff. So, you know, it's real. Yeah. Like the whole blurring the lines 1999 shit. And like, I think it's him and Jim Ross, uh, legendary Jim Ross. And he's like, he's like, you talk about it. You say I'm a student of the game, Jim. I am the fucking game. And it's like, oh, wow. The game then became his nickname. Of course, that's the song. incredible that happened. Yeah. It was like, it was a different time, man. This was like. I think it, it, it was one of those, it's one of those things that like, and it's another theme of wrestling themes just to, to sort of push it on. It needs to boost your person like your character needs to be boosted you need to give off an aura of this is the biggest deal in the world and he sort of gets it with that do you know what i mean like it like if he stuck around with his previous theme song i don't know if he's as imposing and he's has the career that he has i genuinely think it lifted him to another level all right um my number two this week um and once again i'm going to turn the clock back right and we're going to go old school here. We're going to go with someone who actually, like, whether heel or face, I think actually is one of the better characters. Is it face from A-Team? It's not. No. <laughs> I don't think he had a spell in WWE. I guess Mr. T did show up, though. So, you know, at least one of them was there. Uh, no, we're going to pick someone here who, like, manages to kind of blur the lines. And also very, very influential. Um, just don't trust him, though, you know?
why yes that's the entrance music for jake the snake robert wow i didn't know what it was it's incredible it's like it's it could it could end up in fucking drive right like it has it's that. actually do you know what the first thing i thought of was uh crockett's theme from miami vice wow that little doodle little yeah, little yeah thing at the start. and then at the end there it sounds very u2 yeah that's very edge riff <laughs> like in the name of love sort of thing it hits into towards the end i can't believe it's not bigger i mean like, i know that like people who are into their wrestling themes this is definitely up there for them i guess especially for people of a, of a certain age but uh, at the same time it just has this like like I, jake snake roberts was one of those characters where like guy like he doesn't look like a rat like he was never like the biggest dude does he look like a snake um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, like he doesn't look vaguely reptilian or can anything. a human look like a snake? Is the, is the real question we're we're here to ask today? That's the main question. Please answer yes or no in the Twitter poll, which will come in this episode. It's getting very biblical, I suppose. <laughs> but like Jake's whole thing was aura and atmosphere, and also incredible promos. Like he was like the guy, the guy who like would do something a bit different, kind of you know pre McFoley, I suppose. As well, just that kind of like level of realness of mm. a guy where you're like, well, this guy's you know desperate and broken down, and I don't know what he's really all about but his ability to speak on the microphone his ability to like compel you by just simply having a minute on like like, like with a microphone in his hand worked incredibly well he also had the ddt which is an incredible finishing move um and i remember like for years he was asked like, like what does ddt stand for and his, his response would be like the end and i'm like well, that's amazing wow. <laughs> like so Isn't it made after like a weed killer probably yeah. ddt weed killer i, I always that. thought it was, like, it was like a dentist thing but then that's like dds yeah. right so but like but this track this entrance music is just like i think it's i think it's too good for wrestling especially wrestling of like yeah it sounds like it should be a soundtrack sort of score thing like I, yeah. I hit the miami vice vibes at like, the start of it marauder kavinsky like like it's very that kind of yeah. way and it's like but also but it's particularly like re- like wrestling at the time because you mentioned like you know Motorhead coming in like established artists getting involved in wrestling I mean like most of this stuff is in house most of the stuff is like Jim Johnson or whoever else and it's like it's just a different time like where ultimately there's a lot of throwaway themes and if anything the problem is that wrestling has gone back to that school now where you have like NXT had like CFOs for a while who did great stuff like the Nakamura thing but also got a real generic run of just like really kind of like 30 second loop and then over and over again and not, not much to it and right now I think wrestling themes are as bad as they've ever been right now because most of them just don't have any character to them. And this felt like just listening to this music, seeing him walk to the ring the way he would move, even with the fucking snake bag over his shoulder. Oh, yes. He did carry a snake. Just incredible stuff. Like, it was just like... That's nice, yeah. And especially, like, seeing it as a kid, you're just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. <laughs> like, it was just that... Who's this guy? It has that next level projection thing. Yeah. And again, Jake's whole character was... Can I trust this guy? I don't know. And I feel like the music somehow Cause manages he's a to... Because you know? he's a snake, you know? Roberts, apparently. <laughs> All right, it's number one time for Here you. Here we go. We knew it was coming. <laughs> it's the obvious. It's, the, it's if, the inevitable. If it wasn't. Let's go. Yesterday's too long ago. Don't agree with what I know. Tomorrow comes no place to be. See the lion in the sand, Dave. Time to find out who I am. I think it's incredible. It's Motorhead such a great again. song. Let me double Lemmy. Double Lemmy. Let me back to back in spots one and two. I think it was the only way to do it. I had other other thoughts about ones. Like I was going to pick like what would be the most iconic theme song of all time. You'd probably have either The Undertaker's Rest in Peace or Stone Cold's mm-hmm. Glass Shattery 
meme-worthy entrance. Again, if people are still listening, they know what that is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, especially now, I would have turned, I would have turned, I would have turned off. Oh, I enjoyed what he had to say. With, I, that, that was very informative about the whole vaccine thing, but wrestling. Yeah, I was like, like sorry, lads, I'm out. Um, evolution. We already talked about stables. We mentioned the guys actually earlier on in the show. Um, the guys. The guys, <laughs> the friends, friends of the show. Our, <laughs> Our noted friends. Randy, Dave, um, Rick and Trips. I don't know what it is about this song. I don't know what it is. I just think it is a really good song, aside from wrestling. Your second most played song all year on Spotify. Which is astonishing. Wow. But it was just, it just became, like, it's a weird year. People listen to weird stuff, and I think that everybody who can listen back to their Spotify playlists would find that they listened to some weird stuff this year. This probably took the took the biscuit for me but it's a great song and it's a very sort of like motivational amp up so it was a great shot of energy whenever i was going to do something on the news or if it was like you're going through like you can be going through like two or three weeks of really sort of tough stuff and like very repetitive days and you can be tired as well there's a lot of low energy moments as well and i just never this this song has never never failed to boost me up well, I, I, I think what's interesting is that, like, I think for us, it kind of started as a bit of a gag around the time of lockdown one. I forget what precipitated it, but I know that we were it playing was just it. Doc- it was a documentary. I think it was a documentary. Really? I think it was, we, so watched we just started playing it then, yeah. But then, but, but legitimately, like, I, I remember, like, I associate this completely with that time. And again, yeah, I fully agree with you. I mean, like, there definitely was a, a thing of like, oh, that song just makes me feel good. Yeah. And it that's does. kind it of has, what I need all right those now. endorphins for me, really, it does. Those fucking drums. It's great. It's, the drums are amazing. The lyrics, it's just nonsense, nonsense motorhead stuff. But know? also, by the way. Yesterday yeah. seems long ago. I will recall there was a point during the summer when uh, Virgin Media did like new promos for you guys. And there's, that's right. And there's a slow-mo shot of you walking towards the Department of Health and someone on Twitter Overlaid just that knew it. Just with almost this. new, almost new. Somebody made, and it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, I actually push out there. It's like this looks like it should be the start of like a wrestling entrance video, and uh, one person did the Stone Cold team to it, which was hilarious as well. And the other person just did this, and I was just like, "That is unbelievable." It was it was sort of the crowning moment. Oh yeah, because yeah, you didn't ask for like because I, I remember I heard you downstairs like howling with laughter and I was like what's going on you were like check this out yeah it was incredible I, it probably it, it crowned that whole the, the 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 spring and summer of Line in the Sand by Motorhead uh, for us I suppose it was just it was just a, a unique sort of strange thing that you sort of cling on to and it's it is there is there is still some irony to listening to it that it, like you, you sort of listen to it and it's like this would be funny now to listen to this almost do you know what I mean but it's still a great song. It's, it's still an absolutely great song. Um, the clock ticking at the start. So good. The stopwatch, like, and it just goes straight into that riff. It builds into the character. Like, the characters involved in the stable are just ridiculously larger than life. Like, uber baddies. So it's like, it's almost like, there's an element of comedy, I think, about evolution. Do you know what I mean? Well, it's like they wore it's, giant suits. It was Triple H's giant like pastel suits. It was Triple H's like like I said. It, it was his like I'm in charge here, so I'm going to do my own version of the Four Horsemen. Like so, it's like and people object to that like that whole run. Like, people always refer to the Reign of Terror. Triple H's like booking his own storylines, whatever. I'm like, don't get me wrong. Like you know, there was a point when it was like, right, you know, it might be time to like step away here, or at least you know maybe yeah. give someone else the big gold belt for a while. But still, 
Like, it was very entertaining. Amazing. And the whole gimmick was, Ric Flair is the fucking mentor, he's the legend. Yeah. Triple H is the current champion, he's the man. And then you have, like, the enforcer, Batista. Yeah. The young up-and-comer, Randy Orton. And it was just, like, it just completely worked for that regard. It's just, like, there's, there, yeah, and as I say, there's a, there's a knowing sort of ridiculousness to it all, I think. And, that's, and that aids my enjoyment of it. That these are just comically bad guys who go around and they're just about 12 times bigger than everybody else kicking everybody's ass and i love it so i love it so it's a song that i love and like if i was to actually and i think this is probably the perfect tribute to it if i was to come up with like a playlist of like 50 songs of my life when i'm done with it absolutely one of them will be evolution light in the sand unbelievable i love it Incredible. That's, that's the poll quote for the episode. How did that not make it into your business post interview, by the way? Like, I assume it did and they just it, dropped it. It's it, almost they? as if there's different audiences for things, and I've hit the weirdest audience of all time. That's what I do. <laughs> it's, it's who we are. Okay, my number one. Here we go. Let's just dive in. Yo, Jimmy, hit me with that triple H. Fast turning into Triple H appreciation era around here, but you know, as far as I'm concerned, Triple H from he was always my favorite wrestler. This is the weird thing. I remember even like being, I remember being back in school years and years and years ago. I remember seeing him in like the fucking 1996 Royal Rumble or something. And for whatever reason, I was like, that guy's cool. I like him. I hated him. Did you? But but then I came towards I think the back end of my time as a wrestling fan, probably in the early 2000s. I was kind of like, he's great. It took a while. I mean, like, like he's probably the most hated figure in wrestling, and obviously like, there's the whole internet bullshit, whatever, we won't get to that, but, like, it took a while, and, like, when he finally started to, like, get up there, I was, like, so fucking happy. I remember when he won King of the Ring in 997, I was, like, watching it at, like, fucking three in the morning, and I was, like, jumping around my room. I was like, this is my guy. Yeah. And then, yeah, like, I mean, there was the whole push, and, like, you can, you know, he, it's funny because this song, My Time, Triple H, his uh, previous theme to the game, at my number one, is um, there's, like, a line where it's, like, who's sleeping with who around here? And it's like, oh, because, you know, he got with Stephanie McMahon, and they're, like, together. And yeah, the, the, the wrestling that's the whole thing at the time, they had sort of, like, knowing lines and stuff like that. Big time, yeah. Um, but this, I, 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 this was like the coolest thing to me. It was like the reinvention of the character and it was like, this, it was the step up. It was like, he's gone from like, you know, the lackey in DX to the leader of DX to like his own guy now. And it's like, you know, even like, you know, he, like he changed his look and it's like a whole thing. Yeah. And from 1999, particularly in 2000, 2001, until he got the fucking quad injury that everyone knows about again, if you're still listening to the show. Um, it's like, <laughs> I hope I'd you are. Love to, I, I, I can imagine now. The biggest nose dog We have ever. about 10 people still with us at a max. I love all of them. Yeah, good on you, lads. How's it going? Um, I appreciate and you. And also, uh, let, let's be honest, this episode's going to bring in people because they know you and they'll be like, what the fuck? Well, I'm certainly not. I'm certainly not putting this out on my news feed. You definitely are. <laughs> imagine. If, you, if you don't retweet this, I'll be very I'll ret- I will retweet this. Thanks. I can't, I can't push Stand it over. Out as, a, as, a, as a tweet itself <laughs> saying, please listen to this. I feel like I'd get in trouble. With who? I, because it's very, it's just, it's it's too off radar. It's, it's, it's out there, <laughs> it's like too, you know. Too off piece. This is too weird. It's like, what happened to Richard Chambers? Uh, Where did he go? But he, look, this he, song. <laughs> 
is incredible. Where did he go? <laughs> where, where, where the did point he go? is, Triple H was the best wrestler, I think, in the world from yes. 99 to 2001. Like, he was incredible in the ring, incredible character, everything worked. This song was, like, the big soundtrack to it. And it was just fucking shit cool. It was, like, like even, like, the, the video games were, were amazing back then. No Mercy, yeah. WrestleMania 2000. It was, like, a different time. He was great because he wasn't, he wasn't the golden boy in the way that, like, he was in, he was in the generation of uh, The Rock and Steve Austin. And like he was there, both of their main adversaries, essentially, for a long time towards the back end of the late 90s and early 2000s. Like, imagine being that guy, that you're the third, you're essentially the third wheel, probably the fourth or fifth, if you include people like The Undertaker and whoever else might have been around. But like, he was the foil to them. And he was just, that's, he made them who they are, I think. And him being a nefarious guy with the best music like our last three choices, my two, your one, my one, are all Triple H themes. I know. Yeah. Listen. So, like, if so we're going to tag him in the tweet, yeah, he'll, and he's going to fly he'll, us he'll out. Really appreciate it. You know, yeah, he's he, going to set us out a belt. Oh my god, he's going to do the point tweet to the No Encore logo. Real quick before we wrap up this, what's the best wrestling belt? Old school Intercontinental title, right? Like uh, that's good. I like I like big gold. Yeah, I like big gold. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's interesting because that came from the old, the old, the old territory days, you know. Honorable mentions in theme songs: Stone Cold Steve Austin, Booker T, yeah, Jeff Hardy. Which great. Steve Austin though, like like the Disturbed version? No, the it? normal one. Oh, just his standard like. The, the Disturbed one was great as well. Another another great great, you know, band getting involved in the the old wrestling business. Kurt Angle with great, metal. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, the, the the sort of the, the rocky heavy metal version of the Undertaker theme. Yeah, that's the one that I almost picked, like the Ministry one. Yeah, which is fucking incredible. To be fair, I, I was I was expecting it. I know. Well, one that I was expecting from you, which did not show up. So I've uh, had I took the liberty of preparing this clip because I thought you would have it, but you didn't have it. But it will work incredible. as a substitute anyway. So uh, I'm gonna play the entirety of this one because it's uh, you know <laughs> even in audio. This I, is I, so <laughs> this is so self indulgent. This podcast, it's incredible. To be fair, I'll be brutally honest um, with with the listeners. I booked myself into a corner when I was said to Craig and I was like, yeah, take the week off, man. I'll take the show. And I was like, hang on. I was like, there's no albums out this week. Nothing's happening. We're in end of year mode and I've said I'm doing another show. Oh, fuck. I better pull this together. And we're recording this days in advance. Yeah. I think we've done the best we can do. We'll get sure. you back on for a sure, quote, sure, unquote, sure, Dave. <laughs> Listen, I mean, like, 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 that's not the endorsement I want. You know? it's, sure, we did the best we could. We did, we did the best we could. So I want you to picture, right, like with this audio, I, 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 I want you to picture a troubled man Wow. A troubled okay. man, right? Being being scared, but also defiant as his adversary appears out of nowhere. I, I'm struggling. And making his way to the ring, weighing in at 320 pounds, Kane! He is a hideous human being. Without a conscience. He's looking over here at JR. Uncaring. Give a damn about anybody. What would ideally what would you like to see happen here tonight, JR? I'd like to see Bischoff get every bone in his body broken and leave in a be left in a bloody heap. And then I'd like to see Kane to walk outside the building and get his seven-foot ass run over by a damn truck. Oh, God. 
So that's that's, incredible. That's Kane's best entrance ever. The song is uh, Slow Chemical by a band called Finger Eleven, who you might know from such tracks as One Thing, which was used in a bunch of stuff and is a really nice ballad from 2003 that isn't on Spotify for some reason. But ultimately, they did the best version of Kane's entrance theme, I believe. And that's an entrance in which he's being carted out by police officers. He has a hand towel over his head. Yeah, he's for some in reason. shackles as he's well. He's in shackles, yeah. And Jim Ross, legendary commentator, who I think was set on fire by him a couple of weeks prior. <laughs> that um, seems to be quite all right. <laughs> gets stared down and he's like like looking at him and like is, is has that running commentary. And I think the, my, my favorite thing about the Jim Ross commentary, apart from like that weird shit when he says like you reap what you sow, that's what my daddy told me. I'm like, okay, weird thing to say, mate. Is him it it sounds like he was dumped by Kane. Like like he's he's just really upset. There's a bitterness there. He's like he, There's he, a man scorned underneath all he's of like that. Uncaring. With no conscience. No conscience. Which which I always like to think that uh, Jay-Z, when researching <laughs> for what monsters will I reference in um, the monster verse. The greatest verse. That uh, zombie with no conscience is a reference to Kane. 100%, yeah, I think so. Um, you didn't you didn't pick it, though. You didn't pick Slow Chemical. I didn't pick it. It was it was up there. It was on the 13 shortlist, was it? It was on the 13. It was definitely on the 13 shortlist. Actually, yeah, give me, let, me, let me just make sure that I haven't left anything out in terms of honourable mentions. I think we've been very thorough. I think we've been very thorough, but like I, I, I'm, I'm a journalist, Dave. I care in the, about the facts. Okay, so what else do I have in there? Uh, Batista, I walk alone. Yeah, I had that on my list of things I thought you would pick. I had my time by Triple H. I had Shinsuke Nakamura. I had The Brood. That's good one. Very uh, good. One, yeah. Hulk Hogan, Vince McMahon, and The Hardy Boys. That's pretty good. Like yeah. it's very strong. Like like it, it is. You know, like whether you love it or whether you hate it, it's uh it's got a lot of gems in there. It's a it's a genre of its own. It is. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I should make a playlist. You should. I, that's what you should do. You I'll should, make you, a playlist. You share a playlist to the uninitiated, and it's, it's it's required reading to listen to this podcast because otherwise you have a hell of a clue what's happening. I love making playlists, and in fact, that playlist will be available on patreoncom encore <laughs> for patrons only, of course. And uh, look, lots more to come this month, uh, even though it's fucking you know almost Christmas. Still a lot more coming with the show, and I will put up a full schedule on Patreon soon when I know what the dates are for the end of your episode. They are incoming, imminent. Do you have um like like do you have definitive album of the year? It's a tough fucking question. Like, thanks by the way for doing the show. Appreciate it. You're welcome. I'll see you down in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> definitive album of the year. I have three albums that I would probably be considering saying that they've been my album of the year. Pillow Queens is probably one of them. I would say Alfredo by Freddie Gibbs is one of them. And I would say that A Hero's Death by Fontaine's DC would also be up there. Very good. Yeah. Well, Richard Chambers, thanks very much, man. Sound. Appreciate you coming in today. Yeah. Making the trip. It wasn't far. Like, I mean, I've been asked to do many (laughs) other podcasts over this time. And I found the idea of doing them very difficult because I have no time. So you're lucky you, you live two doors down from me. I am lucky, listener. Trust me. <laughs> I know it every day. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, this was a hell of a way to sign off the regular No Encore for the year. Please stay with us. I promise you every episode is not as ramshack as this. But I, Better things will come if you listen to listen, the No Encore this, in 2021. This, Much better than this one. This, this could be our best episode. You just never know. This episode. It's going to be one of those ones now in years to come if if fans are ever talking about it. They were like, do you remember remember that episode they did and they did the wrestling teams and they had that journalist guy on? It's pretty great. And later, two hours it was. Later they fell out and Richard asked him to scrub it from the internet and it was never seen again. 
But, but you know, but it'll live up here, listener. That's it. It's one one to remember. As I tap my temple. This episode of No Encore was engineered by our handsome sonic architect, Adam Shanahan. You may have seen him recently pop Hello, up. Adam. He's a hell of a guy. You may have seen him pop up recently on the Other Voices coverage as part of Nilo's set. Adam was in the background there doing wonderful backing vocals and looking very, very pretty. He's a very talented man. We that Nilo set was great. It was. I just want to shout that out before we go as well. All right, do it. A good, good local man, Nilo, you know. He's a good boy. A good Phoenix Park resident. Shout out to the Phoenix Park. Shout out to the Phoenix Park. Shout out to Dublin 15. That's where it's at. <laughs> West Side. My name is no Dave regrets. Hanratty. My name is Dave Hanratty. His name is Richard Chambers. This has been No Encore. There, there will be no encore. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. One. Do it. There will be no encore. Back soon. Thanks very much. Watch wrestling. It can be good sometimes. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Right now, taste breakfast perfection when you get a warm and savory sausage McMuffin with egg for just $2.50. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.